Thank you, Alan, and good morning, everyone. If you haven't met before, my name's Andrew, and I'm the Senior Minister of St Mark's. As Viv says, we are on our epic journey through the Gospel of Luke this year. We're almost halfway. Don't do the dates in your head and figure out if we're going to make it to the end by the end of the year. So in this series on the Gospel of Luke, we've been repeatedly talking and at length about the idea, which has come up again today in our prayers, about the kingdom of God, which was the cornerstone of Jesus' teaching. So we've heard through the Gospel that Jesus came to announce to his people God's kingdom and that he was going to be the one who was going to bring it near to people's lives and to the world around them. And we've been thinking about what is this kingdom then that Jesus was teaching? What was he showing people about? Well, as we've seen, the kingdom of God is really what you might call a multifaceted reality. It describes, in one phrase, all the different ways that people can be impacted by the presence of God. So God's kingdom is seen when we experience the presence of God's spirit and his personal power in our lives. And the result of that presence is that people experience changes. They experience forgiveness of their sins. People find themselves that they are healed by God. Justice and rightness come into the world as things become the way they should be. And people are set free from the powers of evil. And it's that last evidence of the kingdom of God that we're going to, uh, at work, that we're going to be looking at today in this particular reading. Because our reading today reminds us that for Jesus, the kingdom of God, whenever it comes into the world, is opposed by and opposes um, an alternative kingdom which is a source of evil and oppression for the human race. This is a kingdom which is focused on Satan or the adversary of God and God's people. And in Jesus' ministry, we see the kingdom of God, when it comes into the world, it displaces this alternative kingdom of evil and drives it out and brings healing from the effects of evil in people's lives. And the read, this reading today explains for us some of the ways that this other kingdom works and how it is that Jesus opposes it and encourages us to do the same. And I think what we can see here is that Jesus shows us there is a force in the world which works opposite to God's kingdom and his way and his spirit. Because we know this to be true, because where God is present, what we see is peace. We see healing, we see integration in people's lives, we see reconciliation, we see people being changed. We see these effects where God is present. When it's not, or when this other kingdom is present, we see the opposite effect. We see sickness, we see disintegration of people's lives into chaos. We see sin and impurity taking over people and cultures. We see corruption in society. And we see the destruction of our identity as people made in the image of God. So this is a real thing that uh, opposes God's work. And the reading, uh, reading today opens in verse 14. As Jesus drives out, it says, from a man, a demon that was mute. And when he does so, the man can speak again. And so this man, we can see, had been dominated by some kind of demonic force and he'd lost his voice. As a result of that. And what did he lose? He lost his ability to communicate, to be heard, to pray out loud, to worship. He'd lost the ability to share love words with his family and his friends. He'd lost part of his identity. And so by driving out this demon, 
and bringing God's kingdom in. What Jesus has done is has restored all those things to this man. Now, you would think that this would be a slam dunk, an easy signal for everyone who'd seen this happen, that in this instance, what they're seeing is an example of the kingdom of God at work, given the result. However, we read that some people are quite suspicious of Jesus and they accuse him of essentially performing what we call a false flag operation. You know, this is when a country uh, attacks itself in order to falsely blame their enemy so you can start fighting about it. Um, so what they say is, oh, what Jesus, uh, Jesus is able to drive out demons because he's serving Beelzebul, the prince of demons, and he has power over the kingdom of demons. And so he can somehow pretend to be doing God's work in order to fool people into following him. So they say he's the kingdom of Beelzebul is following him. It's worth pausing for a moment just to note this name, which you've, uh, Alan read a number of times very well. Thank you, Alan. Um, we talked about this, it's hard. Um, this name, Beelzebul, or Beelzebub, you might have heard sometimes. Just to make sure we understand what the people are accusing Jesus of when they say uh, that he's following him. So Beelzebul was the name of an ancient god of the Philistine people. You can read it, and it's often translated for us, Lord of the Flies, if you've ever heard that phrase. And this god is referred to in Second Kings chapter 1 in the Old Testament. And you may know that name, of course, because you might have read the novel or seen the movie based on it, uh, the modern story called Lord of the Flies. It's about boys on a desert island um, who come under the sway of dark forces and revert to barbarism. So the Lord of the Flies. And my understanding is that this um, god, Beelzebul, in the ancient world, was supposed to be known for his power to drive away the flies. You know, and flies are a sign of decay, aren't they? So it's a sign of sickness and death. And so the idea was he's got this power to drive away sickness and death and the flies that, drive, that, that come along with it. But of course, the Israelite people believed that Beelzebub was not a true god. They believed he was a demon to lead people astray. And so any power that he had to drive away flies and the sickness that they brought was because he was part of the evil force himself. So that's the context of this accusation that they're making. What they're, this is what their people are saying that Jesus is doing that Jesus is sort of part of this kingdom and is doing Beelzebub's work. But Jesus doesn't have a lot of time for this idea, as you heard, for the simple idea that it is actually irrational for people to believe that the kingdom of Satan is going to be moved forward by widespread exorcisms of demons and by people being healed and coming back to God. This is what people are saying. It doesn't actually make sense. As he says, if this is how this kingdom works, it's divided against itself and it's going to fall without anyone having to attack it. If Satan's going to go around casting out demons, well, you know, job done. <laughs> um, so also, and Jesus, as he says, he was not the only exorcist in Judea at the time. So if he was an, ang an agent of Beelzebub, then presumably all the others were as well, and some of them were very respected by the religious leaders, so perhaps they were in league with him as well. If the whole idea is too convoluted. It's just a conspiracy theory. No, Jesus says, the answer is simple. In verse 20 he says, but if I drive out demons by the finger of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. So you can see that verse there. If I drive out demons by the finger of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. So what they should see, if they have eyes to see what Jesus is doing, is this struggle that's being conducted between these two kingdoms, the kingdom of God and the kingdom of evil or the kingdom of Satan, and how these two powers are striving around them and within them. And they need to stop being blind and understand what's at stake here and what Jesus is doing. Jesus is conducting an offensive operation on the part of the kingdom of God. 
And that's behind the picture that he gives them in verses 21 to 22 about the strong man guarding his own house. The strong man is obviously uh, Satan here. People have been held captive by evil forces, but Jesus is the stronger man who has overpowered this man and taken away his armour and his plunder and set people free. And rather than doubting him, whether he's sincere in doing it, Jesus says people need to participate with him in this struggle on behalf of the kingdom of God. In verse 23, whoever isn't with me is against me, and whoever doesn't gather with me scatters. There's a choice to be made. You know, and in this, there's a real effect that the attitude these people have with regards to these two kingdoms, and they need to decide what side they're on. In the last section, verses 24 to 26, he says it's important because even when an impure spirit's been cast out, as it was from that man, if people don't prepare themselves, then it can return stronger, more tenaciously, and end up worse off than before. There's an urgent message of getting yourself right and understanding the position that you're in spiritually. All of us are part of the confrontation between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of evil. And he says this battle takes place inside our very souls as well. If we are not filled with the spirit of God, there is every chance that we will be host to a very different spirit. So this is what Jesus says today. Before, but before we think about what that te- how that teaching might apply to us here, uh, today, I just want, and what we might do, I just want to pause. I want to just dwell a little more on the idea of this kingdom, alternative kingdom, the kingdom of evil spirits and their effects on our world. Because I think most people reading this in Australia today, I think would find it difficult to take this picture that Luke is painting here as seriously as he would have. Um, the experience of seeing people openly under the influence of evil spirits is rare among us, I am assuming. We're generally less open in our society to to the idea of spirits of various kinds surrounding our world and interacting with us. We have a more scientific understanding, a bit more nuanced about things like mental and physical health. Um, And we know they're not just directly influenced by spiritual beings in their presence with us. And all that is very fine and correct as far as it goes. And I don't think we should be aware of that. But what I would encourage us to do, though, as we're thinking about this particular text, and texts like it where Jesus encounters these forces, is to see a bit further beneath the surface, perhaps, to what it is actually like in our lives now to encounter spiritual opposition to the kingdom of God. Where do we actually see that? Um, When Christians think about evil, when we've talked about what it actually is, We've always said that evil is not actually a thing on its own. Evil is not an absolute reality. It's not somehow a thing in opposition to God, to good. It's not ultimate or eternal. And in fact, we believe that all evil is in the end is what people have called technically a privation of the good or a deprivation of the good. So evil happens is when when something that is good is taken away or when good things are weakened or distorted. Evil itself is like a nothingness or a parasite. It gets into good things. It's not as concrete thing in itself. So I think that when we look at this idea of demons or impure spirits that are described in the Gospel of Luke, what we can see, it's a description, whatever is behind it, it's a description of powers or forces in the world that have somehow gone astray and that manifest in corrupting good things and eating away the order and the peace of the world and God's creation. So I, can believe, I believe we can see this kingdom at work in many different ways. So for instance, when we see corruption at work in our society and in our political systems in particular. So 
when, when people and institutions who are supposed to serve a country to do good and to build it up turn away for self-interest and destroy the integrity of society. This is the kingdom of evil at work. And this is obviously an issue that concerns a lot of Australians at the moment, isn't it, when that happens? But perhaps we can also see that kingdom at work when we have large-scale spreading of lies and misinformation, things that destroy people's relationships and their health and our ability to respond to simple problems like the destruction of our environment. <laughs> which we talked about and prayed about today. And we can see it, yes, when people who have great potential for good, great gifts, get turned away into wasteful and pointless lives and the good is not expressed in their lives. When families become places of abuse rather than places of love, all these good things get corrupted. That is what the kingdom of evil is about. And that evil, if you encounter it, it's not interesting, it's not glamorous, it's not cool, it is mundane and stupid and, and all it can actually do is eat away at good things and good people. And I think all of us have encountered that reality at some point in our lives or is this something like this, haven't we? This is the evil that Jesus came to cast out of us and to replace with the spirit of God in our lives. And he encourages us, if we're his followers, to understand that. That's what he says. Be with me and participate in, this, in the kingdom of God and its reality. So there's a very simple message for us today. I think if we're a Christian person, it is our calling to take a stand against the kingdom of evil as we encounter it in our lives. To tell the truth. To resist lies that, that, are, that are spoken. To be firm against corruption when it occurs in our community. To forgive each other and not give hatred and a foothold in our hearts. Our house needs not just to be empty of evil spirits, but to be full of a new spirit. We need to drive out impurity, Jesus says. Drive out the cruelty of Satan out of our hearts and out of our church. And, and replace it with purity and humility and to be full of God's love and his spirit. We need to take a stand against those things and for what is good. Now, you don't necessarily have to go out and perform exorcisms. In fact, I'd encourage you not to do that unless you are properly equipped and accountable to responsible people. And I mean that. Please don't try to do that. It's very dangerous, but unless we are properly prepared. But to be a member of the kingdom of God and to follow the way of Jesus faithfully, it's enough by itself to drive out, by the finger of God, the kingdom of evil. Okay? That is one of our purposes, because Jesus is working through us. So I'd encourage you today, just be clear what Jesus is asking of us. And if it's timely, it is time to renew our commitment to the kingdom of God and to ask for his power and his authority and his peace to work through you and to work within us. This is what he's asking us to do. So let me pray, and then we're going to pray more for our world and the kingdom. Dear Lord, we pray and we thank you for your word to us today. We thank you for the power of your kingdom that has come into our world to drive out evil. And we pray that we would be aware of that battle and be prepared for it. But I pray that you would be your spirit that's working through us and that we would see the needs around us to spread the goodness of your kingdom. So I pray for its power to be manifest in our church and our community today. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to sing now.